online, but uh, so yeah, I won't be able to censor anything she stories she does say, but um, <laughs> the, the kids are able to head out to their kids' church and um, now this morning, and uh, just bless you as you go out to that, and yeah, can I pray for you? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Lord, thank you for, for my mum, such a blessing that she is um, to all of us, Lord, and I just pray... Holy Spirit, speak through her and give us ears to hear the words that she brings this morning. Lord, um, would each of us just take something away um, from you today? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it's a privilege to um, be invited to bring the message this morning on this Mother's Day. You know, being a mother can be one of the most complex jobs that a person can have. You're a nurse, you're a teacher, you're a cleaner, you're a um, a counsellor, you're a cheerleader, you're a taxi driver. And when time out is called for or grounding is called for, you become a prison warden. (laughs) Making the decision to have a child is momentous. It is deciding forever to walk around with your heart on the outside. Mum's life can be full of challenges and frustrations, but sweetie, eventually you'll find a hairstyle you like. Some days are just not worth the makeup. So we honour all the mums here today. I'm a mum of four married sons and a grandma to five grandsons and two granddaughters. And in Titus 2, it speaks um, of the need for older women to teach the younger women by words and example. This is the way that values are passed down from generation to generation. Now, things have changed since I was a young mum. We were taught to uh, lie baby on its tummy. You're taught to lie baby on its back. We had cloth nappies. Everything is convenient and disposable for you. We put baby on the back seat of the car in its pram. (laughs) You have car restraints from day one. We bathed baby every day. And apparently that is totally not necessary because you're washing away all the natural oils that the baby's skin needs. Our babies... Sorry about my croaky throat. I think it's nervousness. (laughs) Our babies wore night dresses till they were about two months old. They were white. Today, your baby can be a fashionette, if that's a word, from day one and can wear black. Things have changed, mostly for the better. So I wouldn't try to tell you how to do um, mothering on that level. But as an older mother, there are some things I've learned along the way that I believe are good principles and values, and they don't ever go out of fashion. As I thought about what I was going to talk on today, there were a number of topics that um, whirled around in my head, um, but I kept coming back to the first one that I thought about, and it's something that I have thought a lot about over the last 12 months um, since my own mother 
passed away. She was just a few weeks, really, off being 101. And, um, and that was just over 12 months ago. And the question is, what legacy are we leaving our children? What will they take away from my life and teach to the next generation and then on to the next generation? And this is a message for all of us, not just parents, because we will all leave a legacy. The two main things that my mother instilled in me were commitment and loyalty. She was really strong on those things and she displayed them in her own life. These qualities were part of the legacy that she handed down to me and part of who I am today. And um, her mother was the same. So her mother handed it to her, who handed it to me, and now I, am, I have taught my children and I'm now teaching my grandchildren how to be faithful and how to be committed and loyal She also taught me to pray and to thank God for my food before every meal. She also taught me to kneel beside the bed before I went to sleep at night and to thank God for my day. She also led me in the sinner's prayer when I was eight years old and I chose to give my heart to Jesus and to follow him. She taught me to look after things because they have a value. And she taught me to always take a cardigan out because it might be cold. (laughs) You've probably heard the definition of a sweater before. You know, it's something a child wears because the mother feels cold. (laughs) Have you seen how, you know, kids, they just don't feel the cold? And teenagers will go out in a tank top when it's five degrees because it looks good. Don't sweat the small stuff. Eventually, and it might take till they're 69, they do realise that it's far more important to be comfortable than to look good. When I wrote a eulogy for my mother's funeral, it was a story of her legacy, who she was, how she lived, and the poems that she wrote about her children and her grandchildren, which showed how much she loved all of us. We all get to decide how we will live. And that is the legacy we leave to those who follow. It can be purely a legacy of good living values or we can choose to leave a spiritual legacy as well. I always wanted to be a mum. I was that little girl that played with her dolls way beyond other kids of my age. Before I had children, I imagined... I would have perfect children. I didn't. I imagined I would be the perfect mum. I wasn't. Bruce and I were married almost six years before we had our first child. You know, I was beginning to think we'd be like Abraham and Sarah and be 100 before we had offspring. I was 25 years old when we had our first child, so... In God's scheme of things, it wasn't that long. (laughs) But when you want something desperately, it seems like forever. God knew best. He was uh, preparing us. God's timing is always right. 
He knew that baby two and three, yes, twins, would come 20 months after baby one, and baby four would come three and a half years after that. God knew the season ahead, and there was a lot he needed to teach us before we uh, were too busy to listen. During those six years, the Holy Spirit was drawing us into a deeper relationship with God. The Bible was becoming alive, and we were discovering so much more about God than what we knew. We began to hunger for the kind of life that we were reading about, and where we were at, um, we were becoming increasingly dissatisfied with that. I guess we'd just been playing church for some time. And the more we learnt from God's word, the more we realised what what we were missing out on in life and the more we hungered for more of God. And the desire to bring up our children to be fully committed to God was born within us. It was something that we resolved to do. When our first son was born, we called him Matthew, which means gift from God. And every time we say his name, it reminds us he is a gift from God. Children are a gift from God. Children are more than a biological occurrence. They are a reward from God. God given blessings. He determined the exact time they would be born or that you would be born and where you would live. And whether you like it or not, God had it in hand. A legacy is different from an inheritance. An inheritance may include um, money, your house, jewellery, precious possessions, your ride on mower. (laughs) But they're all just temporary things. A legacy is something different. Nadia, our four-year-old granddaughter, she's already got her eye on on her inheritance. The other Sunday after church, she, she took me out there and over to the shelves where the library books are, and um, there's a little decorative jar that sits there and it holds the pens, and she says, Grandma, when everyone here dies, I want that. <laughs> <laughs> a little while later, I walked past and the jar was gone. And I went over to Nadia and I said, Nadia, where's that pretty little jar gone? And she took me by the hand and she took me over to the shelves and she said, I'm hiding it behind the book so no one else sees it. (laughs) So if you're looking for a pen, you know where they are. Just look in behind there. And she checks every Sunday. (laughs) Our kids may be eyeing up their inheritance already. But what legacy are you leaving? What will last into eternity and have an influence in the generations not yet born? Our legacy is way more important than our possessions, way more valuable. A legacy has eternal value and it doesn't incur estate taxes. It's an investment. Will future generations be enriched spiritually by what you leave? Leaders often talk about the legacy that they will leave to their uh, predecessor or for future generations. In other words, what impact will their tenure in the position leave to those that follow? So the question I ask is, what do you want your legacy to look like? 
What heritage, what spiritual blessings do you want to leave in the lives of your children, grandchildren, and for future generations? Bruce and I decided before our children were born to live by a verse in Joshua 24, 15. As for me and my house, or as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. So that became the mandate for us um, in the way that we would bring up our boys. Joshua made a commitment to God and was determined to set an example of living by that decision. The way we live shows the strength of our commitment to serving God. It's easy to say we will follow God. It's much more important to live like we do. Do those that are following us see God reflected in every area of our life? Jim Feeney, a pastor, says, The most important legacy that we can leave is your children serving the Lord and thereby influencing generations to come. Carl Meninger said, What the teacher is, is more important than what they teach. The kind of person we are is more important than any great achievement we might accomplish. 1 Timothy 4.8 reads, Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. What do I have to do to leave a spiritual legacy? Be intentional. Be intentional. We get to choose what kind of life we'll live, but remember, your life will impact and influence for good or for not so good. I read an article that said um, psychologists tell us that over a lifetime, even the shyest, most um, introverted person will influence about 10,000 people. Every interaction you have with another person enriches or impoverishes them. You can't turn influence off, it will happen. Let Jesus be the one that's influencing your life. Children need to see Christian life modelled 24-7. They need to see us praying. Expose your children to God's presence. They need to see us worshipping, reading God's word to them. They need to see us serving with a heart of God. In Deuteronomy 6-7, God emphasised the importance for parents to teach the Bible to their children. And this is the main verse that I hope you take away with you today. I'll read from verse 4. It says, Listen, O Israel, the Lord is your God, the Lord alone. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Do the people that come and go through your gate and through your front door know that you're a Christian? Yesterday I went to a baby shower for a solo mum in our street and um, 
And most of the street, we're, we're older people, but there's this one young mum has moved into the street and she's having a baby probably next week. And um, we were there and there was all sorts of stories going around. But Bruce and I have been determined since we moved into that neighbourhood that everyone would know that we are Christ followers. And um, one girl started telling a, a, a story that was a little bit offbeat, you know, it, it wasn't very moral, and, and she turned and said, I probably shouldn't be telling this because Brenda's a Christian. They know where we stand. You know, it's written on our doorposts, on our gate. Not literally, but it's there. They know. There shouldn't be a day that goes past that we aren't talking about the Lord. From about the age of four, we had devotions with our children around the table every night. And they were fun times. There's amazing um, resources out there in Christian bookshops that are age-related. And, and, you know, this carried on into their teenage years. And it always ended or involved with a discussion about what we had read. And there would be time for them to ask questions and we would pray together and... and um, <clears throat> We were purposeful about writing God's word on their hearts. I was going through what I call my treasure box the other day. It's a box that I keep things in um, that the children have made or written or um, cards that they've sent and all that sort of thing. And um, I, had, I had recorded a dream that our son Tim had had when he was five years old and in the dream, he and God were skiing down Mount Everest and, and Tim could ski real good and so could God. And God had real colourful skis. And when they got to the bottom of Mount Everest, they sat and had a picnic. <laughs> that child has grown up very creative and visionary. Another note, this one from Caleb, he was about seven at the time, and it, it said, to mum. The Lord will be with you today, and then in brackets he had put, if you ask him. Already preaching God's word and, uh, and developing a word for prophecy. I needed to hear that word that day. Nathan, he preached his first sermon when he was aged seven. We were part of just a very small church at the time, and I don't know how it came to be that he got to preach, but they, um, they involved the children and everything, and I think he asked us, could he preach, and we talked to the pastor, and anyway, he preached on Job, he's seven years old, <laughs> but you know, and it wasn't very long sermon, it was only a few sentences, but he hit the nail on the head, Job was a man that um, was surrounded by misery, but he never gave up. He never gave up. Matthew, he wrote a speech for my 50th birthday, some time ago now, and um, he talked about what he called my mummisms, all the funny little sayings I, I apparently come out with. And, um, but the quote that I taught him, which meant the most to him, he said in this, this speech was, if you honour God, he will honour you. If you honour God, he will honour you. Be intentional about speaking about God to your children and your grandchildren. Take every opportunity. The world is full of object lessons. 
Children have inquisitive minds. The word we hear most in a day from Nadia and Ezra is, why? Why? But why? Acts 17.27 says, For in him we live and move and have our being. We are his offspring. Every day we need to live out our faith. If we want our children to follow God, we need to take every opportunity to make God part of every, everyday experiences. Life is more caught than taught. God chose you out of all the mums in the world to be the mum to the children he has given you. That makes you pretty special. I realised that my children were only on loan from their heavenly father but that he had given Bruce and I the responsibility, the responsibility to teach and train them according to his instructions. We didn't always get it right, but we didn't give up. Now, God is giving us the desire of our hearts. There's no greater joy than to see our boys believing in God and trusting him for themselves. No greater blessing to watch them teaching their children about God, to hear Caleb reading Bible stories to his children, even as newborn babies, when he walks the night when they're crying and he sings worship songs to them, to watch our grandchildren enjoying worship and waving ribbons and praising God, to celebrating God, to visit our other children's houses out of town and to to see them pray together as families and take their children to church on Sunday, to see our grandchildren being taught in God's way to live life well. The other Sunday, Robert mentioned the word saviour in his message and Nadia, um, she leaned into me and she said, that's Jesus. You know, she's four years old. She knows that the Saviour is Jesus. To see them dedicate their children to the Lord, declaring to bring them up in the ways of God and asking for his strength to do so. The privilege it is when they ring and they say, Mum, Dad, will you pray for me? Psalm 37.4 Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. We need to know God, love God, serve God. We can't teach what we don't know and we can't lead where we haven't been. Delight yourself in the Lord. Take every opportunity to talk about God to your children, to pray with them and for them. Parents of teenagers, inconvenience yourself for them. Welcome their friends, spend time listening to them. Parents of adult children, your job continues. Share your wisdom, counsel and pray for them and with them. What values are you transferring to your child? Our actions speak volumes. Hey, we won't always get it right, but we can correct behaviours in ourselves with God's help. I think I'm a far better grandma than I was mother. We never stop learning if we open ourselves up to being taught. Lay stepping stones for the next generation. A quote from Henry Adams, a teacher affects eternity. He never can tell where his influence will stop. We have all experienced parenting because we're all someone's child. 
Some had good experiences and some endured hurt and pain. Grandfa uh, Bruce's grandfather um, was an alcoholic when he died because of all the trauma that had surrounded his life. And Bruce's dad and his siblings were brought up in a Christian orphanage. And there they were taken to church every Sunday. This influenced Bruce's dad to the point where he decided to commit his life to being a Christ follower and therefore influencing the next generation and changing the eternal destiny of those that followed. Our children may choose not to live in or pass on the legacy that we leave, but they will remember the way we lived. In my treasure box, I kept a speech that Tim had given um, at school as a teenager, and it was on the year of the family, which was a thing that happened that year in Christchurch. And he talked about the definition of family and how it had changed um, since the last generation and many problems that families face. And he ended the speech saying, for some of us, it may be too late to turn back the clock, but it's never too late to wind it up. It's never too late to wind it up. Be encouraged. It's not too late to change the legacy that you leave. George Mueller, um, an evangelist in the 19th century, he was a great man of faith and prayer, and he prayed regularly for um, a list of five people. He prayed for five years before the first person on the list came to know Jesus. He prayed for 10 years before two and three came to know Jesus. He prayed for 25 years before the first, fourth person came to know Jesus. And he prayed for 52 years and didn't see the fifth person come to know Jesus. But the fifth person came to know him uh, within weeks of Mueller's um, funeral. You know, keep praying. Keep being insistent. Um, don't give up. If your adult children aren't walking with the Lord, don't despair. Pray, pray, pray. Don't give up. Remember, the way we live our life each day is shaping that legacy that we're going to leave. God bless.